Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the latest edition of Flames Nation Radio. This is your host, Ryan Pike, with you, along with uh, co-host Shane Stevenson. Hi, Shane. Hello, everybody. So, uh, it's been a week for the Calgary Flames. Uh, on one hand, the greatest player to ever put on a jersey for the franchise uh, had was for, was officially enshrined in the Hockey Hall of Fame. Uh, there's all kinds of places to get all kinds of cool stories about Jerome McKinley. Uh, we won't pile on to, to the love fest, except to say well-deserving uh, of, of the honors he got this week. And, you know, it's, uh, it's pretty cool to see his speech is really good. Uh, you know, I'm, you know, I, I, as someone who just grew up in this market, it was really cool that uh, I think the last three years of, of his career in Calgary overlapped with my first three years on the beat. And it was really cool to get to cover him. And uh, for those of you who are wondering, was he nice? He was so nice. Uh, especially to people like, you know, my first couple of years on the beat, who the hell am I? I am not really anyone important. Uh, I am someone, you know, even, even media types are just, you know, I, you know, I was trying not to make any, any waves amongst media types, but, you know, hanging out after a scrum, Jerome McGinley asked me, did you get everything you needed? And I'm like, yes. And, you know, he's just, he's just the nicest guy. So it, pretty much everyone who works in the market in any media capacity has a story, a version of that of, hey, Jerome McGinley was super nice to me one day. And it's almost always after a loss too. Like he was just, you know, after losses, everyone's in a bad mood. And, you, you know, you don't really take it personally if they don't really want to chat that much because, you know, that's just the way the business is sometimes. But Joe McGinley, always gracious in defeat, always willing to, uh, you know, take some time out for people, especially us weird media types. So, yeah, it's uh, I'm uh, I wrote a thing on the site discussing uh, his his legacy it is a very good one. And he's still adding to it. And I would be shocked in the next five or so years if we see him start uh, angling towards jobs in the Western Hockey League or the even the National Hockey League as a, as a coach because he's just one of those guys that just gets it and you know I think uh, you know we'll, we'll see what he does because by coaching standards he's still very very young and there's not a lot of guys with 20 years playing experience and a hockey hall of fame induction who really care to dive into coaching too much but he appears to be one of them so I mean yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, Shane. That that Stanley Cup pursuit's not over if he decides he wants to coach. Yeah, and we've seen that. We've seen people win cups. Wouldn't uh, that be and, cool? And, 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 I I mean, I mean, it's getting way ahead of ourselves. But 
Absolutely. Seeing if Jerome was a coach. Yeah, if, I mean, someone's got to coach. Someone eventually has got to coach post Daryl. So, I mean, it's not out of the if, realm if I, of possibility. If I, but. If, I, if I was in an NHL organization and, like, you know, there was one of those guys who doesn't have a ring, you know, I'd, 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 I'd hire him as a scout just for the playoffs, just to, you know, he can do advanced scouting in the playoffs and just put him on the cup or something. I don't know. Uh, of course, it, it of course uh, relies on you knowing who's going to win the Stanley Cup every year, which from Jerome McGinley's post-Flames years, I don't think he was particularly good at guessing that, unfortunately. Now, uh, the one of the I, you know, this will be unpopular on a Flames podcast, but I'll say this: it's a damn shame that the that the Flames weren't able to win a Stanley Cup when they had one Jerome McGinley. But the guys on the road in Vancouver, they had uh, a twins, two guys that were almost McGinley good. And they didn't do much of anything with them either. So, you know, that's uh, that's a. I'm winking at Shane. We 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 record yeah, this on we're, Zoom, we're winking. We, and I we, I got like something just, in my eye, so I'm like winking at Shane. So Shane, I'm not overcome with emotion. I just have something in yeah. my eye. Yeah. And I'm also yeah. I'm not winking at you. I'm just happy to be squeezing something out of my eye. I think I got. It. Uh, Good. Anyway, Good. yeah, that'd be yeah. We'll. Uh, We'll follow in the words of, of uh, Chancellor Palpatine from episode one, The Phantom Menace. We will follow your career with great interest, Coach Jerome McGinla. I love that reference. You've, you've, made, you've made a Star Wars buff very happy right now, Pike. But this well, week, the, the road flames, trip. Yeah, the four flames games played, they played the Flames played four games on the road this since our last recording. It was uh, – it was um, – and they played four games. And they got four points. <laughs> this is about what I can say. Yeah, um, I mean, let's. Uh, they were. They, let's go from Montreal. best result to worst result. Yeah, let's, let's go chronologically. Uh, they played. They looked like they were on their heels a bit in Montreal. I, I mean, they got good goaltending. They played just poorly enough to lose. And you know what? What was it uh, from? What I, I think there was an empty netter in that game. It's been long enough that I can't really pay attention to what's going on in my life anymore. Uh, but yeah, the Flames, you know, it was 4-2 final. They played just poorly enough to lose. They, you know, found that ways was, to lose in that game. That was the first game the top line went MIA or got shut down, whatever way you want to look at it. The Montreal game was the first game this season that Goudreau, Lindholm, Kachuk were uh, not only a non-factor, they really were a they did they, they didn't they didn't contribute much to anything and and I, as they faltered and and they just couldn't score um it ended up nick suzuki ended up winning it on a on an odd goal um getting by markstrom um after apparently markstrom beaked him earlier saying that that wasn't going to work so that was a bit of a redemption on suzuki's part but um, you, 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 t- you can't expect the top line to show up for 82 games. You want them to, but that is just completely unrealistic. Eventually, another team is going to be able to shut them down on a game night, and Montreal was able to. And, and you know, Mont- Montreal's at home. They have last change. They can control the matchups. I mean, if you look mm-hmm. at the groups that did well, I mean, you know, the, the first goal, the Flames had scored first. Uh, Shillington made a nice pinch and threw it back to the point for Trevor Lewis, and he got a deflection by Backland, one nothing, yay. Uh, and then Andrew Majapani uh, with the tip off the off the oh, shot. That was a beautiful like, goal. 
Yeah, so like you know, that like, was the one he caught on his foot and roofed it backhand. That, that was, yeah, that was that was the crazy cross. I, I'm mixing up my nice Andrew Mangiapane yeah. plays, but yeah, the the cross the and you know I, I know I know you know we're we're we'll wax poetic about Sean Monahan throughout the season because you know he I think his play has warranted some criticism. So if we're going to do that, we might as well say things we really liked about him. I thought that was such a good pass because like if you look at the if you looked at the replays of the coverage. There was like such a narrow area to fit a pass through. So you don't really have a time to make a nice pass. You're just going, I just got to get to him because if you get it to him, maybe you get a scoring chance. So he got it over through, through the narrowest lane possible. And Mangiapane full speed goes from his back foot, boots it to his stick. As he go, boots it up, he sort of loses his balance and goes on one knee, and then he goes forehand to backhand and just chips it over top of Jake Allen. And poor Jake Shut Allen, up. poor Jake Allen, he played it perfectly. He's like, well, it's going to that guy. Okay, it's at that guy. I'm just going to butterfly, take out the bottom of the net, and get and put my shoulders out so I get big. Because that, if you're if you're goaltender, if you have no other options, your choice is just I'm going to get big. And so he did it, and it still went over his shoulder because. It was just one of those seeing eye shots. Like it was just, it was a goal. It was a good goal. shot. It, know, was, if, it was a guy that has much, an enhanced if, finishing ability. Yeah, and it's it's putting it it's, by. It's a high danger chance by a guy with a high danger shot. And mm-hmm. you know, if you're Jake Allen, if you look at the replay, you go, okay. you know, like if 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 you and I were Montreal's goalie coaches, I don't know how we could have played that better. I mean. It's easy to hindsight to say just, well, don't go down, but you're thinking he's going to try to go five hole or over your path or something like some, like a, a waist down shot. So you're going, okay, just go butterfly and just try to take out this, t- t- take up a lot of space in the net. And he did that and he still scored on him. So kudos to you, young, uh, young gentleman. But uh, and then and then it, and then it kind of felt they couldn't really generate much uh, after that. Uh, Montreal, yeah, Montreal made really did play. Montreal, Montreal really did play self stout defensively. They got uh, they tied it on a power play, uh, and they and they won it on a power play, and then they got an empty net. So even strength, Calgary outscored them two to one. So it's not as far off as one might think. But you know, you look at the score four two, and you go, well. But I mean, your, your penalty kill may be one of the best in the league, but it's it's, it's not going to work every single time because you are down a man. And, it's and, they, the and, they, and it was the type of game where the flow of the game after the first period was sort of all over the place because uh, this will be a theme this week. The Flames took too many penalties. I mean, mm-hmm. officiating is what officiating is. The National Hockey League, we could talk till the cows come home about the, the quality of officiating and the various standards for various players, but the Flames just took too many penalties. And if you look at the penalties they took, you can talk about the penalties that that other players may or may not have done that weren't called, but you know, grand scheme of things, if you look at, if you look at the, this, at the the penalties that were called, yeah, they were all probably penalties. The Flames probably should have gotten called called on them. Like, you know, what a minute into the minute in the second period, they take a too many men penalty. And then it's, you know, they had a five on three, they had to kill. Like they had, uh, you know, like it was, did they have a fire? Yeah, they didn't have a fire three that game. But yeah, there was just a lot of penalties. Like the middle of the second period, they sort of lost all flow. Uh, you had defensive zone penalties. You had, you know, good Branson taking a bunch of penalties. You know, speaking of like, uh, I, I, I'll always, I'm never going to disparage someone for, for having passion and losing their head. But, you know, Brendan Gallagher on the power play scores a nice goal. And as he's going, yeah, I scored. Boom. He just gets destroyed, like walloped by Eric Branson. 
and like that was a like he, they, he got called for roughing that is stretching the definition of roughing roughing is if, was... if you and i see each other and i go i don't like your face and we you know we just shove each other a bit that's a roughing penalty if you're facing away from the play going yeah i scored and then you just get decked i mean <laughs> I mean, that's happened to me in my minor hockey days. Uh, it's not fun. And I got dicked and it sucks. And uh, well, and especially when the guy that does it to you is the size of Eric Branson. Um, he is a it, big it, boy. The, the Montreal, Brendan Gallagher it, it, is not a big boy. It seems, well, it seems too, there's a theme because it happened in the first game against the Oilers when they get scrappy, they'll take a lot. Of, it happened in Philly as well. Uh, they get scrappy and they take a lot of penalties. And it, it's a hindrance because it keeps um, just a couple like Johnny Gaudreau and Matthew Chuck don't kill penalties. Uh, their preference is to actually, if they have a bench minor, always send it's always Kachuk to the box. It's always Kachuk. They always Kachuk because they want Kachuk out of the box on the ice. He, because honestly, he's got one of the best hockey IQs on the team. It's been, it's been consistent. Of skating, this is this is three coaches worth of coaches who go, eh, Matt doesn't kill penalties. Screw, he's the bench minor guy. Like three coaches, at least at least three, last at least the last three coaches. It might be I'm trying to remember. Wow, well, it's been it's been at least three coaches. It's always him. You'd almost you'd almost want like in my mind, you'd almost want Johnny because you know the speed and the stick handling. All you need is like, but but the but the benefit of Kachuk is Kachuk will can get back into the play and be an immediate physical presence if it's needed, especially if you're pinned in your own zone. So I could see why they use him. I, I, John, Johnny wants maybe if, if you feel like they have a weak panel power play, uh, you know, well, and you got a bench minor, I wouldn't mind seeing Johnny go out there because if you can spring that guy on a breakaway, you're just that's pretty dangerous and they, they'd have to leave him adjusted. But, but uh, the D, though, yeah, when they get, the D. He, but, well, if the third pair is on the ice, you're probably not getting a tremendous stretch pass. Yeah, but, yeah I did. I actually I ran some numbers um, on Nikita Zadarov the other day, and he's actually exactly what. I wrote it before the season. He's he's very adept at keeping the slot protected. He's good at that. He does. Yeah. He's he's been absolutely, actually, really, really, really good. Blue, blue line in and from the circles down. He's not bad. But the but other the, the other seventy five feet in the ice. He, him and Good Branson allow zone entries. They don't take them at the blue line. So so the numbers are are they're they're a bit better than you think because they they're they're adept at keeping the play alive in the offensive zone when it's there. They usually get sent out when the play's in the offensive zone, not the defensive zone. So they get a boost from that. But if you watch them, they Eric DeBranson does not stand up at the blue line. And I don't think they want him to because I don't think if he's mobile to get burned. You saw Claude Giroux just torch him the other night, just absolutely walk him and make him look like he was standing still. So so they're, they're while they defend the slot really well, it leads – into the other team having extended possession, albeit on the outside of the defensive zone. And it, and it really puts it really puts the emphasis on the F3 and the F2 coming mm-hmm. back quickly to sort of support because you know you're giving mm-hmm. you're giving up the first 10 feet of the zone basically because they don't have the mobility to really like let's be you know Kanev pretty Kanev is arguably the least mobile I'd give of the top four guys. Maybe yeah, Anderson, but one of those two. Yeah. Yeah, in the top four, you have two mobile guys, mobile guys in Shillington and Hannafin. And then you have two, you know, average mobility guys, I'd say in Anderson and Tanev. And they're all pretty decent at suppression. And they're all, like, mobile enough that, you know, they can keep up with guys. Whereas with Z- 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 Zadarov and, uh, and Gabranson, 
they need to sort of play back because if they don't play back, guys turn style. Mm-hmm. And they have to. And, but you, I, I will say that they've been extremely consistent in that regard of being, other than Zadarov's flub, where uh, the Flyers almost won with five seconds left the other night. But uh, other than that, they've been very good at getting back and, 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 and making sure they have that lane to the net covered. And that's what the, that's what the coach wants. He, he wants, he's like, it, it, Barry Trotz does it. And he's, he said it, uh, shoot from the outside. And Jeff Ward said it when he's here. Well, he, even, let him shoot from the outside. We'll, we'll, we'll Trust your goaltender. We'll, we'll, we'll get a bit macro about this uh, after we finish talking about this week. But, you know, the Daryl Sutter doesn't say, doesn't, Daryl Sutter's philosophy is he doesn't roll four lines and he doesn't roll three pairings. He uses four lines and he uses four uh, three pairings and if you look at sort of how like in terms of who they're playing against and how they're used all three pairings have distinctive roles on the team mm-hmm. and that also makes it difficult to bring in players who might not be great for those roles uh let's get real let's let's keep power through the week so i'd say the montreal game was tonally very similar to that the the opening night against Edmonton where the Flames mm-hmm. were decent enough not great not horrible at five on five and then their special teams and their too many penalties killed them uh and then the Toronto game they uh they threw in Dan Vildar Dan Vildar is fantastic the rest of the team was yeah. oh my god the rest of the team was present I mean the Leafs we're rested playing at home and the Leafs have a good roster the Leafs are when they're healthy and they have their heads screwed on straight one of the best teams talent wise in the league. And, you know, the flames basically played defense for 70% of the game. And, you know, I thought they played fairly well. I thought they did a good job, generally speaking, not giving the Leafs star players a lot. It was very much like they play on the road with Markstrom uh, in terms of, you know, you give them the outside or you try to, you give them low, low opportunity, low danger shots on the outside that you try to clear out the, clear out the rebounds and, and go the other way, or at least go for whistles. And Vladar is really good. His rebound control is good. Uh, it looked like it might be a zero, zero game until uh, the third period when Oliver Shillington basically said to Johnny Gaudreau, okay, we're scoring now. And it was just, Another it was a really smart zone exit. Goal. And then a, a really nice give and go with speed. And, you know, uh, over on uh, Steve Danigal's channel uh, in his LFR, he did a nice job sort of breaking down the breakdowns the Leafs had, where I think it was Mitch Marner trying to get inside of Shillington to defend. And he just didn't have the wheels to get past Shillington. And so it left. And that's, and that's saying something. Mitch yeah, Marner's the, fast, fast skater. Yeah, and, and so so and control. So yeah, well, and 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 but that just speaks to the level Shillington can get to. We've seen it defensively this year all the time. He gets back, like, and that's I, I think I wrote about it in one of my reviews. I said I'm okay with him take if, if anyone on the defense is going to take a liberty of pinching maybe just a little deeper than they should. It would be Shillington because he will get back. I said, unless it's McDavid or Barzil or someone of that level of skating, Shillington has the speed to cover them in this I, league. I would and, pay some money and, to watch a, a foot race between Shillington and, and McDavid, just for the pure sport of it. I think McDavid would win, but I think it'd be much the, closer than it needs to be. <laughs> with, the way, with the way he's playing this year, you might you might get to All-Star Weekend. Like, I'm not kidding either. Like that's that, All-Star Weekend is still happening. All-Star Weekend is still happening. Anyone listening to this, when you're done, go to Evolving Wild, their their page. Go look at their current goals above replacement levels where they've they posted their top players in the league. Shillington is in the top five. 
of all players in the entire league. Manjapani's up there as well. But like Drysidle's first because he's scoring. If you actually go look at the numbers, Drysidle's actually scoring at a ridiculous pace. But Oliver Shillington is hands down been the best defenseman in the National Hockey League. Now he doesn't play more than about 17, 18 minutes a night. He doesn't play power play. He doesn't play penalty kill. It's all five on five minutes. They, they might have they updated that because I think, I think as of this recording, I think he's Shillington's fallen down ever so slightly on the list. Uh, top four in the league on goals above replacement at. Uh, what am I looking at five on five? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, goals above replacement overall for uh, Shillington is 5.3 goals above replacement. Jensen, Mikey Anderson, and Shane Gosses bear the only ones higher. Mm-hmm. That's it's nuts. He's been. And, if, and look at the, if you look at the time on ice, it's like he's played the four guys ahead of him have played 40 minutes, 60 minutes, and 70 minutes more than him. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, but, it, but but like I said, All Star Weekend for him is actually he, and he's because he's got the per point production too, <laughs> eleven points now I believe, three goals, eight assists. The the and, people uh, the folks that get spoken ab- about the most, I'd say, of the Flames are Goudreau, Shillington, Manjipani, and maybe Markstrom. Maybe Markstrom. I think Markstrom has a, a decent chance because they're doing. From what I remember, they're doing the divisional three-on-three format again. So I mean, mm-hmm. I think the challenge is it's the old-fashioned everybody gets everybody gets somebody, and there are eight teams now. So I mean, and golf despair is coming from Arizona. Like that is un- yeah. So I don't know. We, we'll, <laughs> it, it probably probably uh, when we get close to the holidays, we'll start deconstructing the 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 roster and sort of figuring that out because we'll need to talk about something. Uh, but you know, I but yeah, the the two-one game. I mean, it was just Shillington. Shillington and Gaudreau, the two arguably most pure speed and skill players in the team right now, going, okay, we're going to try to score goals. And they scored a goal. And it was just great, you know, great play by both guys. And then the Flames just couldn't hold on to it. And I know, you know, it's easy to, to like, sh- let's be completely honest. Did Shillington throw a pizza up the middle? No, he threw a pizza up to the right point and Lord. it got grabbed. So, like, he, he did, he, you're supposed to go glassing out and make a low percentage play. He did not execute a low percentage play. He executed a medium percentage play, and it got caught. Uh, two shifts before, Sean Monaghan delivered an absolute pizza up the middle, like up the mm. slot, up the Royal Road, and it got intercepted. And then he was basically watching a fire drill where everybody in the flame zone was just collapsing around the net trying to block it. Uh, and they just couldn't – They, you know, that one they could block, but the, the other one, the Flames were a little more spread out in their zone, and they couldn't fire drill into the slot area. And, you know, yeah, you know, William Nylander made a nice shot. I think it got deflected by Kerfoot, so it was a tough one for the goalie. You feel bad for Shillington because he made a great play to get them that lead, and then he made a not great play to take away the lead. But also, if you look at the balance of his, his season, I mean – I'm pretty sure if you're looking at the the credits and debits of his season so far, he's way ahead of his bank account is full right now. So he can afford, he could afford to disappear and just play like an average player for, you know, an entire long road trip and he'd still be in, in the green or in the black. And you know what he, you know, I, I, I look at all the numbers every single night after every single game and they're one, the one to up two because they're a pair, but the two players that no matter what each game have been, positive impact players have been all over Shillington and Chris Tanev. Their consistency is at a level that we saw with Han- Hannafin and Tanev last year. It's Don Maloney talked about it. He said, he said at intermission, um, he said, yeah, whoever we put with Tanev just works. 
Like he's like he's like he's like we just we it just yeah, works. He's he's the, we know uh, that he's the glue guy. I forget he's which there. coach it was called uh, Michael Froley Froley the line fixer years years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's 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 Chris Tanev. If you're paying four four and a half million dollars a year for a guy who can play with everybody and play yeah. tough minutes and play really well, so I mean, good. You know, so yeah, like great so the, stick positioning too. Like it's just it's just immaculate to watch. His stick's always in the right spot to whether it be guy to guy behind the net or just get in the passing lane, take away like he's always and it's not necessarily his body. It's the way he positions himself and stick, and he just knows how to do it. It's it's not often a guy devotes themselves to mastering that part of the game of hockey. Tanev did it, and. Yeah, it's just miraculous to watch. So. Yeah, so yeah, you know, Flames had a chance to win. They went to overtime. They lost. They got a point uh, on the balance. To a back-to-back set where they did not play great against Montreal. They got zero points. They played arguably worse against Toronto, and they got a point. So that's Grand Theft Vladar. I mean, that's just good work. Like Vladar and Shillington did cool Ladar, stuff, yeah. and they got a point out of it. So in the grand scheme of things, it was probably two games. That otherwise, they want to burn the tape. And they have one where it's like, all right, cool. They made a good play. And then it all got good. <laughs> let's let's just let's the... just say this. Let's just say this. So the Flames went into Ottawa a couple a couple days later on Sunday. They played a Senators team missing. So t- a Sportsnet set eleven regulars. Uh, if you looked at uh, at Puckpedia or Cat Friendly or wherever you go for cap information, uh, the the leaf or they believe the Senators had nine guys in the COVID protocol. As in, they were either dealing with a positive test or dealing with the aftermath of a test or whatever the hell it is. Like, they were quarantining or actively sick. Uh, and then they were missing – they were also missing three to five regulars, depending on how you want to define it. Shane Pinto, Eric Brandstrom. Like, they were missing a bunch of guys. So, I mean, let's just say – let's split the difference and say they are missing a dozen guys. So, the Flames played out on the road in their home barn, a, a team that was missing half their team. And – I mean, they went in and they beat their brains out. Like, they good. Did, but they, they, they did what they had to do. Like, yeah, that like game it was, the, the Flames game did not embarrass them. So bad. They did not embarrass them. And, you know, credit to the, the senators who were playing. Like, Brady Kachuk looked like he was mad the whole game uh, because maybe, you know, it is what it is. He, he was about the only one that was noticeable on that side other than uh they're, they're really like i really like lassie thompson yeah he was, he was really, like, good. really good Kelowna rockets but, alumnus lassie thompson really good player but on but honestly outside of literally just those two players we named they were pretty invisible uh i was looking for bernard docker because i'm i really like well, him i really a, like his potential a centers team missing half their guys who haven't practiced for the better part i think i don't think they <laughs> practice for basically yeah. a week because so it's basically a Senators team with a bunch of new guys, a bunch of last minute replacing players who haven't practiced. They look disjointed. They look tired. They look pissed off. And the Flames just ran their show. So uh, yeah. I think the headline I Shut you know down. it was a should win game, and the Flames like let's be completely honest. Last year, everyone you know I think Eric Francis uh, of Sportsnet used the phrase, uh, you know, everyone treated them like the the free spot of the bingo card. And the Senators came in last season. They were determined to make people look like idiots. And they made the Flames look like idiots more often than not. Like, they played the Flames really well. They took points away from the Flames. And if you look at the balance of last season, the, the, the should-win games for the Flames against Ottawa were the difference between them making the playoffs and not. You can dress it up any way you want, but the Flames were a team that just could not figure out a way to beat Ottawa when they probably should have. 
they, you know, left tons of points on the table in close games and some games that should have been close but weren't because Ottawa was pretty good against them. So, I mean, the Flames went in thinking, oh, God, remember last year when they fired Jeff because we were terrible against these guys? And they played them pretty well. I mean, you know, they they never trailed. Mangiapane scored really early. You know, off, you know Shillington made a nice play. That was the – I think that was the, that was the other Shillington one I was mixing up. So, Shillington, Ottawa was on their way out for a zone exit in the Flame zone. And we're in the, in the Ottawa zone and Shillington at the defensive blue line or at the defensive blue line, just sort of swiped the puck deeped around a guy and then just flung it over to Sean Monaghan at the high slot. And then Monaghan, yeah, it's like, it was a, it was a really nice defensive play away from the puck by Shillington. And it led to a goal that gave them a lead, a lead. They never relinquished another game winning goal for Andrew Majapani. I think that was his 10th goal of the season. And yeah, they were, they were good. I don't think we need to talk a lot about the Ottawa game because they were, they went in on a Sunday afternoon to a bar. They're like, we got to win this game. And they won that game. And they gave Dan, and they gave Dan Villar his first career shutout. I think they were all kind of pissed off at how, occasionally shaky they were ahead of Vladar in Toronto. So they gave him, they gave him, I think, better support overall against a team that has less to do attack wise. And, you know, it was, Vladar was good when he had to be and the team in front of him was better than they had been in Toronto or Montreal. So hurrah, right? One, the one benefit for me was that was we just, they just switched their lines in Montreal and that they, they spent two games where not all the lines were really gelling. And this was a game where, yeah, okay, lesser competition, whatever, they were able to mesh. They were able to find some chemistry, and that goes a long way if you want to keep these lines together for a while. So yeah, that and, was good. Uh, NHL, that's, debut, that's, NHL debut for Walker Dewar because of a yep. – it was apparently a short-term, short uh, minor injury to uh, Tyler Pitlick. It doesn't – like when Brad – or when uh, Daryl Shutter was asked about it, he's like, mm. So he was asked, how, how's, how's Pitlick? He sort of was like, oh, it's news to me. So I don't know. The, the Flames would not – the Flames wouldn't say he's injured when he isn't injured. So he's – you know, he didn't play because of injury – and then he was back the next game and he looked fine. But you know, Walker Durr was Walker Durr was just fine. I mean, Walker Durr, he was occasionally noticeable. You're like, hey, who's 61? He's doing things with the puck. Yeah. Oh, okay. But you know, he was he was not a difference maker, but he wasn't also he was not a, a sinkhole. He was, you know, on the fourth line and he played as good as the two veterans were with him on the fourth line. So I mean, good, you know, Walker Durr. You know, Mike Gould and uh, and Paige Seward uh, covered covered the Heat for us, so they watched a ton of Walker Door. I think they watched between them all of his games for Stockton last year at the end of the season when he came in. He came in from Minnesota State. Uh, he was signed. He was you know sort of a oh no maybe he'll turn into Garrett Hathaway. And he came into Stockton and everyone's like maybe he'll turn into Garrett Hathaway if he gets a lot better because he was not particularly great for Stockton. I watched two of his games. He was noticeable for bad reasons in the AHL, but, you know, he went in, he basically, they said, Hey, Walker, can you work on these five things or however many things they asked him to work on? Then he went home, he busted his ass. And he was like, I watched as much preseason hockey as I think anybody, he was really, really good in the preseason. And, you know, it earned him a chance and he looked good. Did Dewar, did Dewar have any pro camps before that like i know i don't think I know so. they probably not i don't because think he so. was at college so you can't attend a pro camp you can go to de- you can go to dev had, camps you can go to dev camps okay, to de- development camps but no no actual training camps so oh. this was the first real season he actually had pro oh. advice given to him this off season 
from from a professional and, and, NHL and level thing, be, and he took it and ran with it. Let's be really honest. the The advice, you know, your dev staff, like say, if you're the Flames development coaches, Ray Edwards has and his staff have enough time to really they're going to dive in with the guys they have the rights to, right? I mean, they have more interest in putting time into making sure Jacob Pelche gets to where he needs to go than random walk on kid on a PTO, right? Cause it's just, mm-hmm. they, you know, they, they need to be invested in you. And well, okay, like Walker Door yeah. came in and he's a contracted player and he's on his first year of his entry level deal. And he looked like there's something there. So, I mean, if he, if he tops out as just, he's a fourth line guy in the Amer- in the Canadian, in the NHL, that's better than I'd say 90% of the hockey players in the world get to. Well, so, I mean, that's, that's pretty he's good. He's already, him. He's already played more NHL games than I gave him, than my expectation for he, him. He has he signed, played, so. he has played <laughs> as many NHL games as 2013 first round pick Morgan Klimchuk. Yeah. Like, 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 and I, there was hype around Klimchuk and his goal scoring ability in the juniors. So I'd be, like I said, when they signed Dewar, I literally was like, oh, just like, you know, I, I thought it was like less hype, less hype than when Spencer Fu signed. I was like, oh, well, it's just, you know. There was, there was, like there like was not, training, but... let's be, let's be honest. There was a Walker, there was a Connor Mackey sweepstakes. There was a Spencer Fu sweepstakes. All due respect to Walker Door, there was no Walker Door sweepstakes. But, you know, there was, there was no Garner Hathaway sweepstakes either. But Garner Hathaway's carved out a really good career for himself. Yeah, no Ryan Lomberg sweepstakes either. And he scored the other night. He's got a regular role on the best. One yeah. of the best teams in the league, so, like, like former guys that just worked their butts off. So, so you know what? They, good for them. Yeah, there's there, there's something about guys who are just randomly signed out of college who have no ego about themselves and just go out and get better. That's just fun to watch. So I mean, yeah. you're, let's let hopefully hopefully Walker Durer gets to keep improving and gets more chances because I mean he's at the very least he's a fun story, and uh, he was back on the bench against or in the press box rather against Philadelphia. The Flames losing overtime again two one. Uh, it was a game where again Shillington scored in a goal that uh, that it was a greasy goal that whopped that whopped in off a. The defender tried to like tee his skates. I don't together, know what. He, yeah, he was, and it like and it's weird. It like hit it, it like hit between the skates. He tried to tie them together and then just flubbed in a weird direction. And Carter Hart didn't even know where it was. Yeah, Carter Carter Hart is you know he he's going to be on the Olympic team or, or close to it. He did. Yeah. He was he was really good against uh, the flames he's been really good all year he you know uh, he he's from the everett silver tips shout out to dustin wolf who's also off to a nice start in his pro career but yeah you know, carter hart was good the flames scored one greasy goal they could not get a second greasy goal uh there was there was one guy that was, was carter hart he should call the cops because Carter Hart was criminal to him. Johnny so Gaudreau was had game. T- that 10 was, shots on 24 shifts. So every second that, shift, Johnny Gaudreau had a shot on goal. That was the best I've seen Johnny Gaudreau ever play. That I'm not even lying. That was and, he, and he didn't was get a goal. miraculous. Like, uh, I know a friend of the show, Kent Wilson, uh, he mentioned it online. Like, three shifts in, he was like, Johnny's getting multiple points. And I looked and I was like, I don't, I, I don't dispute that. And, and I said myself, I said, Johnny could have had five this points. Is, he, that was, he that was, was a complete – the Flyers got seen, to dictate the matchups. The Flyers got to dictate the matchups, and they actually won three of four of them. They won three or four of the matchups. The one they lost was against the Flames' top line, and it was because every time Johnny Gaudreau stepped on the ice, he got the puck, and he just went 
the other way. And and the problem the problem with that game is the other three team lines lost their matchups rather decisively, and so yes. Gaudreau's line instead of coming in with momentum because I was going to say. I've seen every single pro game that Johnny Gaudreau has ever played in a good chunk of his college career. I've spent way too much time watching 13 in my life. Uh, but like, I think it was up there with that. Uh, he had that one couple of couple of games against LA and 14, 15, where he had the game in LA where he had the hat trick right before Christmas. And then he had the, the game at home game 81, where they clinched the playoff spot for the first time in a million years. Mm, and those are the two, those are the two games I'd say, he was as good as, but the difference is in those games, the Flames had the Flames had last change and the Flames controlled the matchups. In those games, Goudreau came into situations where the Flames had momentum. And so, you know, really the, like storming into the offensive zone usually. Yeah, it was basically instead of, instead of his own zone. Yeah. And the, and the problem was you have Goudreau doing what he can and blowing out the proverbial balloon and trying to make it pop. And then the other three lines letting the air out of the balloon and deflating it a bit. And then Gaudreau basically having to go in and start from scratch every shift. So, I mean. Mm-hmm. He, it was Johnny was, Gaudreau versus the Philadelphia Flyers. That's really what the game was. It was, sorry, not 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 quite. Oliver Shillington and Chris Tanev were also won their matchups, as they usually do. But it was, like, without a doubt, it was Johnny Gaudreau and, and Markstrom was good. Hart. Markstrom was good. Yeah, uh, yeah, yes, yes. And Markstrom, I, 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 I leave it. Johnny was that good that I forget that Markstrom was actually another primary reason they even made it to overtime. Which they lost, and they are one and four now in overtime. One, one and five. One and five. You see, I was trying to even give them better credit. So, okay, let's... Um, the good news is the good news is they don't. If they make the playoffs, there's no three on three, and they are one of the best five well, on five teams there is. It's it's worth at this point. It's worth doing what the the young people call a vibe check. Did I use that term right? I'm I'm on my third. I, I, you know what, Mike? I got you. You, you caught a vibe. It's good. good. So, so anyway, so our vibe check here is, so uh, I'm curious, Shane, if your glass half empty or glass half full, I mean, on one hand, the flames are one, one and two on this road trip. There are three games left uh, and they're eight, three and five. They have points in 13 of 16 games this year. They've only had three regulation losses, but on the other hand, they're eight and eight. Like they, they have, you know, if we're, if we're being mean about this, they have eight wins and they have, three regulation losses and three games or five games where it took them a little bit longer to lose. And, you know, it's there. If you, if you're looking at the points pace, I've been using 95 points as the, the playoff cut line, the drive to 95 is, as I keep saying. And so that's about one, 1.2, one point something points per game. So the flames, I think uh, they would need to have 18 points. No, uh, was it 17.5 points to 16 games and they have 20. So they're about 2.5 points ahead of schedule. If they want to, if they, if they keep going on this pace, uh, they will finish about 97 to 100 points, depending on how things go. Granted, I don't expect them to, you know, go 500 with 80% of their losses being in overtime. So, I mean, the games where they, the games where they lost in regulation, trying, trying to take off the top of my head, Edmonton game one, the San Jose game where San Jose came in and just plugged up the middle and that Montreal game. So like the, the Edmonton and this, the Edmonton and the Montreal games are basically just the flames being too gritty and taking too many penalties and getting arguably kind of dumb with their physicality and getting killed by the power play. The sharks game was just, they got goalied. I mean, Aaron Dell was very good in that game and the flames were pretty good, but not good enough. And then the overtime games, I mean, 
there I, I think the it problem can go either way and I but I think the problem is it's sort of like the the types of overtime games because I always think you got to hold teams accountable for their wins and the games where they win they dominate possession they play smart structural hockey they don't take too many penalties and they give their skilled players a chance to use their skill with some smart you know possession time I mean in the games where they win in regulation and the games where they've looked really good and lost have been the games where they have you know, two to three of their lines winning their matchups, or at least stalling off roughly even. So Gaudreau's line or Majapani's line, they don't need to create momentum out of nothing. They, they come into a situation where things are kind of going okay, and then just need to make it a little bit better. Uh, the games that they, you know, the, I think a few of the other games, they just come into situations where they were, they've been dug a hole. They need to basically fill a hole rather than build something, right? Mm-hmm. I, I am still glass half full, and I'll t- tell you why. Um, you look at those losses that we just talked about. They, they, how many losses have they lost to the five-on-five battle? Regulation? None. They actually won the five-on-five battle against Edmonton in the first game. They won the five-on-five battle against San Jose, but Aiden Hill, local, he's, he's an Alberta boy. Aiden he's an Airdrie kid. Yeah. He, yeah, yeah Calgary, the Calgary Niff. So, I mean, he had a bit of extra motivation that game, probably had friends and family in the stands. But um, he goalied them, like, like, and that happens. Uh, and then what was the, the Montreal one? They won, they lost on the power play again. The Edmonton and the, the Habs won. The difference was the power play. They won the five-on-five five scoring and the matchups and the possession and everything. Until recently on the road, they haven't lost. Uh, really, like the Philly game, they lost their matchups, the, the bottom six. It wasn't until they switched the lines that the matchups, the lower end of the matchup started getting lost. Monaghan has himself uh, had better numbers with Coleman and Manjapani, but he needs to have play drivers to succeed. And he, he and we, you mentioned it earlier, we, we were going to talk about him a bit. And, and I, 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 he looks half step slow still. He looks like he lost some mobility. This, this will sound really mean. At the games run at live, I've seen him skating and like, I love Milan Lucic as a player. Milan Lucic would be a bit that Milan Lucic is not a fast guy. And Milan Lucic has that awkward, hunched over posture when he skates, when he's starting to speed up. It, it's like watching a cartoon character, but he's good. It's like watching a train get going. Monahan's, <laughs> Monahan's gait, the uh, gait is sort of the scientific thing about how you move. Uh, Folks, anyone who's in Kines will love that I use that term. Everyone else will be confused. But yeah, like uh, Monaghan's physicality, the physicality behind his skating just looks cumbersome right now. Like it's, you know, and again, I've watched a lot of Monaghan. He looks slow and he looks like he's, it looks like mentally he's going, okay, time to get the feet going. And it's like, it's like process for him to get going now. And, and the, and so to continue on there, the, the old, I love the old matchup, the, the Backland Coleman line, we're able to shut down that combo was able to shut down top competition. It's seemingly with ease and it didn't matter. And, and, and all the guys they brought in Pitlick, Lewis, Richardson, their, their whole profile was they're good at defense. They don't really help the offense. They're there to be defensively proficient. And so Pitlick was fine. They probably could have had Lewis there. I, didn't, I, I prefer Lewis on the fourth. Pitlick's a little younger, a little more mobile. But that line was able to shut down everybody. That line was able to shut down everybody, and it freed up Dubé, Manjapani. And Dubé uh, is, is so suspect defensively. Manjapani is just great all around in everything he does. And so it freed those guys up to try and score against lower competition, and it was working very well. And 
And so, yeah, okay, Monaghan, your $6.5 million center is on the fourth line, but he's just not, he's just not where he used to be. And, you know, I, and, and I understand maybe you want to raise, if you are shopping him, maybe you want to raise his trade value. It, it, there's a lot of things go into it, but if you want to win, uh, you should really go back to that. It was working so well. It, it, it faltered really in one game. Um, albeit the one game wasn't that great, but more, more or less, I, I'm still half full. They're still winning their matchups lately, not so much. Um, but I'm the one thing I've I've noticed is Daryl Sutter is very very adept, especially in game two at recognizing which lines are going and which lines aren't. If uh, in my tracking, I look at the I've, I've been tracking time on ice and and the numbers. And he's surprisingly very good at knowing which lines are dominate, like just by eyes. So like the man is extra gifted at seeing the game uh, more so than many of us probably even think. And uh, with him steering the helm, he's like the team's captain right now too. I, I don't know if I've mentioned that before. Like Gio's gone and you don't need an MSC because Daryl's the captain right now. Daryl's steering, the, team the, team steering the player. And that, yeah, that's who everyone's feeding off of right now. And it's, I think it's a good thing. I think it's a great thing for them. Uh, I, I, the continued play from Kachuk and Gaudreau and Lindholm, uh, they played 16 games, 15 of them, they've been excellent. I, I mean, that, that alone gives you a chance to win every single night. And yeah, we're, we're, with two of those overtime games go the other way, all of a sudden they're 10 and six, if you look at it that way, and they're first in the division. So a bounce or two, will come their way Dubé's due for a big bounce his offensive well I said he was defensively suspect he's been one of their best offensive play drivers at getting to the net yeah so he's due for a bounce as well and, and, and some of it's luck you can't win every game and let's be Hockey's honest like basketball You're they've just, played a lot of games away from their own rank I mean and one of the things that Daryl mentioned was that he wanted to move uh, Dylan Dubé back to the wing and put Sean Monaghan you know, and I think they ended up moving Brad Richardson uh, over to center because they sort of wanted with with the the amount of with seven with seven row games over the course of the time they had. I think they and I think and I think with the results they've gotten from Dubé while he was playing center, I think they just wanted to have a more veteran group up the middle to sort of help them dictate the games and sort of you know manage the game. And you know it's. It hasn't worked out great. I think no. like Brad Richardson might be the worst regular player of the team right now. I know, you know, we we've been having some discussions in our internal Slack. I know, you know, there's a couple of players. You know, we won't spoil Mike's upcoming column, but you know, there's some players in the Flames system in the minor leagues who might be, you know, like is Brad Richardson better than Glenn Godden would have been in that spot? I don't know. Is he better than Adam Rizicka could be in that spot? I don't know. I don't know if they have the appetite to really try that out because they seem to really like to going with the, the sort of the, the low risk, low reward, you know, veterans on that bottom six. But if the idea is that, you know, let, let's be honest, the flames, you know, have, the flames have gotten good to great performances from their top players. Most of the games this year, we have not seen a lull. We are going to see a lull. It's a long season. And do they have the kind of depth where in like, a week in January when everybody sort of gets fatigued and, you know, maybe the flu goes through the room, maybe guys just get worn down by the travel and the physicality of a season. Do you have enough in that bottom six 
to really move the needle in those close games. Like in a two one, in a one one game or a two one game. Like here's good idea. Yeah, the, let's let's use the Philadelphia game as an example because Philadelphia plays generally speaking good structural hockey. In a two one game, if you if you if you took away Goudreau like from that game because Goudreau was a difference maker for the Flames. If you take away Goudreau from that game and you say, okay, it's January and you're playing the Wild or Nashville or someone, and it's a one one game halfway through the game and your first line seems to be merely there. Like they're not terrible, but by their standards, being just merely present isn't great. But say there is there, they're selling off about even. Who's who's the difference maker going to be? Yeah, uh, Magic Penny. <laughs> Magic Penny, if you got the right ice time for me. Uh, Chuck is still pressy, but but I get what you're saying. There's not there's not that one guy you can just pick and go that. No, that guy that guy can do it, and they're not gonna be built like that. They're, they don't really have and, any capital to do anything. With and, and, and in, in the defense, in the defense of the, in the defense of the players who are on the team, I mean, a that's not they're being asked to do more or less. That's not really how the team's constructed. And I don't think like, I don't think it'd be fair to really like if you're going to throw in Glenn Godden or Pelche or Walker Door or whoever it is from Stockton and say, okay, we need you to do better than Tyler Pitlick would do in that situation, or do better than Trevor Lewis. I don't. I don't know if in, if the way they're being used to be like. Let's let's get into this really quick. So I've gotten one of the most common things I've got on Twitter, the mailbag, Twitter DMs, wherever is what the hell's going on with the use of Alamaki? There was a an article uh, from Finland that uh, quoted him sort of grumbling about his ice time. Uh, there was then uh, a few articles that came out locally where some of the local scribes talked to him, and he was just sort of you know I'm not gonna say he walked back his comments because. I don't know any of the people who talked to him originally. It's a Finnish reporter who I'm not familiar with, so I don't want to say anything good or bad or whatever about them. I just, I'm not familiar with them. The folks he did talk to, he was seemed like he was pretty honest with, but, you know, he was a scratch at times last year, not too often, maybe, I think like maybe five times tops under Daryl Sutter. Um, and then he's been a scratch much more often this season. And I think if we're going to blame someone, it is probably uh, Oliver Shillington's fault. So, it's a good, good the, problem. The way, the way the, the defensive pairings were constructed in training camp outside of the game for Shillington played, like if we were, if we were whiteboarding this and we did whiteboard this in the, in our, in our Slack and in our emails with each other, the first pairing was going to be probably Hannafin and Anderson. And it was the second pairing. Well, one of the pairings, we're, we're not numbering these pairings right now, uh, but the three pairings would have been a pairing of Hannafin and Anderson because they're the guys who played the most with each other. And it makes sense. Then probably, I think we had Zadarov and, uh, and, and Tanev because Tanev is played a lot in the preseason. They played a lot in the preseason. Tanev's good with everybody. And Zadarov is, you know, a good defensive player. I think if the mindset was, well, you need a shutdown pair. Well, you can, you know, you can use Tanev can do anything you need him to do. And Zadarov is sort of a non-entity offensively, but he's a good glass and out guy. Like he's good in his own zone. He can, you know, help keep the, the, the area around the net empty. And so can Tanev. So, you know, Tanev could be a good Branson, except much better. And then your third pairing is, I don't know, Valimaki and good Branson. That's probably how yeah, it started. The problem that's, that's is. That's we started with, yeah. The problem is Valimaki is not as good at the, clearing out the, the net front area as as Nikita Zadarov is. Granted, Nikita Zadarov has played a lot more. And so Nikita and Zadarov is a beefier guy. So he's sort of physically and experience-wise more adept at doing that because he's built up that expertise, if you can call it that. Good Branson too. Like Good Branson and him are basically, you know, Good Branson is basically the left shot version or the right shot version of Zadarov in that he's also kind of a non-entity offensively. And I the don't... problem... 
the problem is if Shilling, Zadaroff on the second pairing, when you already had a pairing with, you know, Valimaki and Zad and Gabranson never being used in a defensive role, it's kind of redundant. You don't need two defensive, you don't need two shutdown lines because you're not really getting anything. Like what you're, then you're putting all your offensive eggs into that, into the top, into Hannafin and Anderson's basket. And, and that's just too much to put on. Like those are still two young guys. So like yeah, two guys who are about 24, 25, like you don't want to say, okay, guys, Chris Tanev is going to, we're going to have two pairings are basically just, you know, trying to hold on, trying to clog up the middle and you guys have to create all the offense. So that wasn't fair to them. And so after, after this, for the third game, Shillington got put in for Zadarov. And then I think a couple of games after that, Zadarov came back in and he came in in the third pairing and pretty much were, I'd say two thirds of the season so far, I think want to say like 10, 12 games, uh, it's been the three pairings have been Shillington and Zad- Shillington and Tanev in an offensive role. Uh, Hannafin and Anderson sort of in that middle role where sometimes they're a shutdown pairing depending who they're out with. Sometimes they're an offensive role. Yeah, they're they're they roll a lot. they're the flex pairing, and then you know you bury Zadorov and Branson in defensive zone starts because they're just they're they're offensively non entities. They're not going to help you offensively. But they're defensively good enough that, you know, if you start in the defensive zone to begin with, you don't have to deal with, like you said, the zone entry problem because you're already in the zone. So you're basically conceding the zone entry to begin with. So just get it out. And they're decent at that. And so the problem is, my question is, okay, let's just say, let's just say Brad Living came to you and I, you know, texted me and say, okay, boys, we're putting in, uh, we're going to put in Yusuf Valenaki for the next game. Who do you take out? I don't know because I don't know if there's a role that he could excel at given the style I, I didn't, they have right now. I didn't mind him with Goodbranson. I thought he brought a little bit more mobility to the neutral zone transition. I like that. But like I said earlier, Zadarov's come in and he's actually defended the slot at a super ridiculous like like it's it's on my Twitter page. Go find it. It's it's at flash underscore 33. Uh it's 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 ridiculous. Like he's actually been exactly what was advertised, hundred percent defense, nothing else. Um, the the thing I approach when it comes to Yusuf Alamaki, I approach it like this: Oliver Shillington never took Zadarov's job in the first place. Oliver Shillington took Yusuf Alamaki's job out of training at, when they when they finally gave him his opportunity. They get, when Zadarov came out, they said he was banged up, and with how they've used him since, I believe that, and. Oliver Shillington took Valmax's job. And that's, if you look at it from that perspective, that's not a terrible, terrible thing because the reason he took his spot was because he's been so good. So I, I like, I, it, it, at his age and with the season he's already missed, you need to play him. There's no room to play him unless you take out Zadarov or if you're willing to take out the Branson and try Zadarov or the right side. Or maybe, maybe, or, roll, maybe you go 11, seven. I mean, I don't think that's sustainable because the well, way Daryl Richardson's lines, playing right now with the way Richardson's playing. Right now, I mean, if, if you want to get extra, he, he said it last year too. He said, you know, if you go 11, seven, you can get that star player a couple extra shifts if you need to. Like you, you can always pick someone to go out with. That's, but he also said he doesn't like doing that because, you no. know, over a long season, especially with the travel schedule, like the X factor this year is, and we're going to beat this thing to the ground. The travel schedule is already horrible this year because they have well, three weeks gone. off. They have th- no, just generally, they have three weeks yeah. off in, in the, the, the all-star breaks, the beginning of three weeks off of the NHL. I think it's two and a half weeks off. 
uh, in February because all of your best players are going to be in Beijing more likely than not. So maybe Shillington, I don't know Shillington, but maybe, you know, but at the very least, like, you know, you're looking at your back, your backland, Lanholm, Gaudreau, Kachuk, both your goalies, like Anderson every, possibly everybody you know, like, like man, the, the flanks have the benefit that Chris Tanev ain't going to the Olympics, but like, so many of your important players, the guys who you're like, you, we already talked about, like the Flames have, they're a top heavy team and they don't have elite players. They have a bunch of good to very good players. And the, their, their bottom pairing guy, the bottom pairing and, bottom, and fourth line guys aren't terrible, but they're not difference makers. Like they're replacement level and slightly above. And they just, the, you know, the idea is they succeed by playing you know, a consistent system, winning those 50-50 shifts and 50-50 matchups, and then getting momentum for their star players. Your star players, the guys who you lean on the most, you, they're going to be going through an insane amount of travel and, insane, and then a bunch of hockey all at once, and then an insane amount of travel back here, and then being thrown back into the, into the NHL grind again. So, And, like, and then the probably, trade deadline's up. Yeah, and like and, so and then immediately do you, do you, almost. Do you want to like I like if you if you're like, hey, Michael Backlund's pretty good. Want to give Michael Backlund an extra three shifts a game? My answer is I don't think they should because they're going to need Michael Backlund in March and April. Well, and he's been consistent with, and he said this. He said it's been years of line shuffling, and he like you know the, the players have earned some consistency. And I might have paraphrased that wrong, but it is something along those lines. But, he, you know, they deserved some consistency. So, uh, and, and, like, a lot of people were clamoring for the line. I think it's just a common theme for people to just be like, I want this to change or I want that to change. But when they're winning or getting points every night, stuff isn't going to change too quickly. When they, 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 it took for them to lose four or five, even with the overtime, for them to switch the lines the way they did. Um, I, I, if they continually fault, it, they will change again. They will. But they're going to be, there's going to be a grace period. And, Daryl has it in his own hand. He's as his press conference the other night uh, attests to. Sometimes he doesn't want to share uh, too much, but he he, he, he had to he had to he's catch a the smart bus. man. He had, he had to, to catch, catch the, the bus. bus, Shane. He had to catch the bus. We're not going to hold anything against you, Daryl. You had to catch the bus. Do you know how embarrassing it would be if the head coach of the National Hockey League Club is late or misses the bus? That's unacceptable. Uh, no, but yeah, no, and, and that's you know, if you look at it like. You know, I, I think the 11-7 doesn't – 11-7, if it was smart, everyone would do it. No one do it, No one does it because no. you only do it if you're capped out and you only have that many human bodies left. It's a, it's mm-hmm. a last resort. It's not preferred. It's, it's like using a University of Toronto goalie as your backup because you have no other choice. If, you've, if you're doing it, it's kind of dumb and something has gone terribly wrong. So, I mean, to, I, I don't know when Dalinaki gets back in because, like... To keep guys fresh, I would suggest, like, just on a hop, like, you know, Stone got that one random game. But, like, if you want to keep guys fresh, like, it's not... I don't think it's a gigantic thing to say, hey, we're going to put you in the press box tonight, not because of your play, because we're just going to give you a night off. You don't need to play all 82 games. You're not on an Ironman streak. Put Dalinaki Stone in. Why not try it? Like it's it's a possibility well, and, and, if you want to give someone a night off. Right? And and I think the problem is though, like Ryan Huska mentioned it when one of the days when he was subbing in for Daryl for media, uh, the Flames have eight defensemen, and their philosophy right now is 
you know, you got to play well to stay in. And Valimaki had a couple of games where he wasn't great. And, you know, I think Zadarov has been in the role they've asked. Defensively fine, yeah. Based on, based on how they define Zadarov's role and based on how, what they think success looks like for Zadarov, I think Zadarov's been successful. I'd say the same thing for Eric Branson. Pe- dumb penalties aside, I think he's taken too many penalties because he's trying to be too physical. But well, someone you know, has to replace Sam Bennett. Like someone has to replace those penalties. Ozone penalty, Sam Bennett. But no, that, that's you know, so. If if you look at it that way, like say, are you gonna take Hannafin out? No, Hannafin's no. <laughs> Hannafin's the second best uh, defenseman on the team, third best defenseman on the team. Are you taking out Shillington? No. Are you taking out Anderson? No. Are you taking out Tanev? Hell no. You're probably gonna play yeah. t- unless Tanev's ribs explode again. You're playing Tanev as much as you humanly can while you're allowing him to you know sit in an ice bath. If they're in a race, like if it, it post deadline and they're in a race down the playoffs, like there's like eight games left, I would not be surprised to see Chris Tanev out there. And they had like the Flames get a one nothing lead. I wouldn't be surprised if Tanev played over 30 minutes a night in games like that. And I think that's like, a terrible like idea. I think that's a terrible and idea. And I, I agree, but I, I'm what I'm saying is if, if push comes to shove, I wouldn't doubt that. Daryl. Like he says, he uses his lines. So he, if Tan, he if Tanev is playing more than twenty five minutes a game, it means something's gone wrong. Or yeah, or they're desperate. Or neither is no. That, but if they're desperate, that means something's gone wrong. If if they're yeah, if you're in a position where you have to lean on your guys post Olympics, and they're all probably tired and bruised up, and some of them are probably dealing with injuries. We'll find out about in May. Yeah, That's a terrible idea. But I don't know. Like I'm I I so. I'm, I'm, in, I, I'm not saying I recommend it. I just saying I could. Okay. See it. So glass. So to, to circle the square, your glass half full still. I'm still, I'm still, but I will preface. They still don't have as much time as everyone thinks they do with the current uh, ticking clocks. I'll say on some certain contracts, um, but the, they're in an okay spot now. They need to maintain this pace. They can't go into an extended lull or they're not going to be in a place they want to be when the this time for those decisions come due. Yeah. The, and what, that's quicker than everyone thinks. What that five one and one for seven games bought them was breathing room. They're not yep. chasing a playoff spot. They're in a playoff spot. They are, you know, they're above, they're playing above the pace where they, where they need to play. And we're about... We're coming up on a quarter of a season through. So, I mean, good. I mean, you, you'd much rather be in a position where you're in a playoff spot kind of American Thanksgiving than chasing one. But it also means you can't let your foot off the gas and you also have to keep looking, adjusting, and tinkering. And so, I mean, we'll see what they do. I, I, I don't think they can have eight defensemen on the roster long-term, but it's not up to me. I don't have to make that decision, nor would I really want to. But I, I think, you know, they, they have some... I think they have some shuffling to still to do at some point. I, yeah, I don't, I don't love, said. I, I, I don't mind being the chicken little here. I don't love their, I don't love uh, their bottom six. We've already talked about that. I don't love their cap situation uh, right now. Uh, granted, I mean, you know, Brett, Brett Ritchie's hurt. So they're carrying, they're paying 24 guys, but they only have the cap space to pay 24 guys. Yeah. They, they, right now they have, thousand right now. They have like 200 K. Well, I'll stall here. Yeah, it's it's under three. It starts. It starts with the two. I know. I look their cap space right now 
they have about $223,000 in cash space right now. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it will go up like when Brett Ritchie's healthy, Walker door is going back down. So that's going to, it's going to get, it's, it's going to go up to about, about a million bucks or something. But right if now, Richie her, stays out long enough. Can they put him retroactively on LTIR? Like if he just happens to be out that long and then they get all that cap money back. They don't. I, I think, the, no, the, t- for, for LTIR folks for, to get into the weeds. Oh, bit, cause you have to be up at the, Happy. For for LTIR, you have to be out ten games or twenty four days. Yeah, and you only can really enact it when you need the cap space. But you save the cap space when you when you're into you the LTIR. But it's only the time. Only the timeline is retroactive. So, like, say if you've you've already been out that long, you can dip into LTIR, but only on a go forward. You don't. You can't save cap space you haven't had yet. Yeah. That. Yeah. Yeah, I, as soon as as soon as I said that you in your explanation, I was like, uh, no, I know what I said. I there's like, there's like, like there's like five of us. There's like five of us in the league who think we understand LTIR, and I think there might be two people who actually do understand it. And on some days I'm one of those two, and other days I'm not. But yeah, yeah. LTIR is yeah. weird, guys. But anyway, yeah. So well, I mean, they they don't they have less they have some flexibility right now in the standings. They have less flexibility than they think. And they have less flexibility roster-wise and cap-wise than they think. And I think that's going to be the thing that makes or breaks the season for them because they're too, they're too, like say Brent Ritchie's out there. One other person gets, gets a broken foot or, or, or bum wrist or something. They're one more injury away from having to go 11, seven at a necessity or having to, you know, shuffle bodies or do something silly. So, I mean, they don't have a lot of space that makes them vulnerable. And, and it, it, it kind of leads into a good spot there for me to mention the Flames are four, three, and four in their last 10. The division is hot right now. Uh, the Kings won seven in a row. The Ducks are currently on a 10 game point streak with eight in a row. Kings won, or the Golden Knights have won four or five, something in there. They've been very good since they started getting the stones back. Um, they're going to get a certain center that I'm not going to name for a long time, uh, eventually later. Um, but they, uh, it, the division's hot right now. Um, Seattle's actually played really well. Their goaltender has been bad. The only truly bad team has been um, Vancouver, which I'm sorry, Vancouver fans. I just feel for you at this point. They, they deserve a better team. <laughs> they do. You do. You, you honestly do. I, I, I'm not a fan, Vancouver fan myself, but like, I just feel for you at this point. And, and Edmonton obviously can outscore any God, any bloody problem that comes their way it seems um to just dry side on the game and just start burying them at will it's so, it's a uh, marathon man it's it's a marathon day has fell back a bit but the, if you if you follow byron bader and, and on 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 twitter uh the kings and the ducks have very strong prospect bases they've had a very very proficient drafts lately and those prospects are on the doorstep and I wouldn't be surprised if in two years the Kings are the class of this division. I'm not even kidding. The, um, the Kings and the Ducks have cap space, good prospects, and the willingness to leverage both to make their teams better. And they have... Uh, I'm I interested mean, to see what and, happens with the Ducks. Especially with who, who ends up running it. Well, because how many years... Uh, you know, I'm not going to get into what Bob Murray did. I don't know. Uh, all of that Bob Murray is no longer the general manager of the Anaheim Ducks. That is the reality. And for the first time in a long, long, long time, someone else is making the decisions. 
and or going to be making the decisions. So the ducks interest me in that facet. That's uh, that's a really attractive job for a lot of reasons. Uh, well, Trevor Zebras alone. You you get to Dale. you get to live you get to live near Disneyland. The travel's not bad. The weather's great. The money's good. The taxes the tax situation is what it is. But you're in Southern California. You have a decent building. You got a really good prospect base. And your team has won banners in people's lifetimes. So it's if you're a Ducks fan, it I, it's going to be easy to get excited about that team very quickly. So, I mean, they're going to have a lot of people really interested in that job. I, 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 I'd want to work for them right now, too. That is – and Troy Terry you – now I'll say – And, and work, working – This is a career high point streak for him. Working, working <laughs> for the Kings ain't bad either. Oh no, no! I I love their staff too. I shout shout out to, shout out to our pal Rob Bowman. Yeah, there you go. But uh, uh, anyways, yeah. So I'm I'm ultimately I'm still half full. I want to see Val Mackey play a bit. Someone's got to uh, mess up to um, for him to get in. And the Flames uh, three games remaining: Buffalo Thursday, Saturday. They open the Islanders' new building. The Islanders have been struggling. I feel like they're going to have a few days at home. They're probably going to come to play. And, and that building is going to be hopping. And it's going to be packed. But remember, the, la- the last game at Nassau Coliseum was loud. Those Islanders fans are loud. So And, and they finally the got – them- Islanders fans have been hoping for a building actually for built for hockey. For like, like they had to – if you're an Islanders fan – this is this is like this is like a homecoming because you dealt with the you know the, the Nassau Coliseum was old and falling apart and small and then you went to freaking Barclays Center where you couldn't see twenty percent of the ice depending where you're sitting it was a basketball arena with terrible ice because they used I heard I heard from people who built the building they took because they didn't the people who designed the building didn't know shit about hockey so they're like. Oh, uh, you know, put in PVC piping. So they put in plastic piping instead of metal piping for the ice plant. And so it sucked and the ice was terrible. So they spent a ton of money replacing it and it never quite worked right. And they said to hell with it. And then they had to, they had to be a friggin' nomadic team playing wherever the hell they had. And there were second class citizens, their own building in Barclays. Back to, back to Nassau for back. a bit. Before and then, and now finally they've been like, they have good owners now. They don't have to deal with the weird bs of, of dealing with the crazy owners and they have yeah, really good, good owners they have good owners they have it's it's a it feels like the early days of tampa bay except tampa bay had a much better tax situation so it's a little bit easier to get great players there because it's a little bit easier to, to fit them in but Before anyway i know i have a very important question for you though i want to know your opinion on this there is a back-to-back this weekend the second half of that back-to-back is the boston bruins which goalie do you think is going to play in that game Calgary yeah if I'm Calgary I go Markstrom against the Islanders because you know it's gonna be a, a, a crazy building and then you go I, I think you gotta give Dan Vladar the 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 nod in his old building yeah against the team that chose Jeremy Swayman over him I think that would be extra motivation you've seen how good Vladar has played already imagine the man with extra motivation like 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 they had a choice they had a clear choice they could have went with jeremy swayman or they could have went with dan vladar and they chose swayman swayman I mean, had the swayman's had good numbers. i like yeah i like both is. guys that's you know, if you're the islanders that's, imagine being in that situation if you're the you have, oh 
who am I going to pick? Which one of these great goaltenders do I have to keep? Hey, hey, when you draft and develop players properly, you have to make those decisions. And you know what? Yeah. You go, you, you're, they got, they got, if you're the Flames, you got Dan Vladar that you didn't have to develop. You just got him for a pick. If you're the Bruins, you have Jeremy Swayman, who's really good and a pick. So, I mean, there's no yeah. losers in this situation. No, but, it, I, but just that that's my, okay, what's coming up on this week? What can we talk about? That is my like Boston. I hope it's Vladar myself. That'll be so fun. That the whole art, the, re- the, the revenge, Darth Darth Vladar's revenge, revenge of the Sith. Let's go. I mean, the story that better be good themselves. Game. That better Disney be good wrote game. it for us already. That better but, be a good uh, game. I well, and 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 two of the best lines currently in hockey playing each other: the perfection line, as they call it, versus the Gaudreau. Kachuk uh, Lindholm line and uh, Kachuk versus Marshans would it's always gonna, be. It's going to be a fun week. It's going to be a fun week. Buffalo, Islanders, Bruins. I've always been blessed with a lot of fun games. Like they got to watch the Rick Tockett and Paul Holmgren go into the Flyers Hall of Fame. They got to watch Jerome Ginla go into the Hockey Hall of Fame and all the and all the Kim Saint Pierre and all the other great nominees. And then Dude, they get Kim, to open the Kim Islanders building. Each by the way. Anyone, if you, if you missed the TSN broadcast, go out of your way to see, of course, Jerome McGinley's speech. Kim St. Pierre's speech was fantastic, and it was in two languages. And it's like, she she's hilarious in any language you can understand her in. And thankfully, mine was one and a half because I know only a little bit of when, French. When she told her son it was time to listen because he was sitting on the seat looking behind him, and she's like, it's time to listen now because she, she just happened to thank him and look over, like thank her kid and look over, and he was, yeah. she's like, it's time to listen now. I was like, yes. I was like, yes, Kim. You know, always a mom first uh, player. And I love it. It's just, it's just family first. It's, and it's, it the, wholesome and it's the National great. Hockey League. It's hockey. It's supposed to be fun. And hopefully... You know, it's been 16 games so far. The Flames seem to be not be in the pits of despair yet. Court, I think. Yeah, there'll be a 20, so we'll be It'll at be the quarter, quarter, quarter pole. Yeah. Or apparently, yeah, be hey, shout out to my to uh, Randy Sportak because he corrected me once. The quarter pole is three quarters of the way through the race. It's to let you know there's a quarter mile left. This is the I don't. Well, there's no actual term for the for the thing telling you you've ran a quarter of the race so far. That's not a real I'm thing. I'm gonna. I'm going to completely ignore Randy's very sound logic and continue to use the phrase. Because, <laughs> sorry, Randy. <laughs> yeah, because the three-quarter pull is not a thing and also sounds weird. But anyway, I mean, so, it makes sense. Yeah. So we'll uh, we'll talk to you all in a week, and hopefully we'll have interesting, fun things More to continue to talk about. Talk about Flames Nation Radio, as always, is brought to you by our friends at DoorDash. Uh, if you don't want to cook, DoorDash, because who's going to make you? Who's going to make you cook? So I'm a higher pike for all, all my slogans. Hey, DoorDash, as as I, I do not allow us to be sponsored I by all the time. I do not allow us to be sponsored by products so I do not endorse. And DoorDash, DoorDash me. I would just say I went to a game in Buffalo before we leave. I went to a game in Buffalo and me and my girlfriend had a few too many arena beers. And the only thing that could get me anything at late at night was DoorDash. So DoorDash, I love you. That's it. <laughs> Thank you for sponsoring us. We endorse your, we're, we hardly endorse this product. So we'll see you guys in a week. For Shane, I'm Ryan. This has been the latest edition of Flames Nation Radio.
Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.